1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, open them with me and follow along. Uh, if you're taking notes, I, I would encourage you to take notes. I don't necessarily have points per se, but I, there's a lot of information, a ton of scripture. So I hope you have your Bibles handy. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 2. I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the teachings just as I passed them on to you. And the Greek word for teachings there is traditions. So Paul had particular traditions that he was passing on to the church that they were to uphold. And if you continue to read, because um, th this is talking about the different order in worship, okay? And if you continue to read, Paul goes on to give instructions regarding the gatherings of the saints and regarding teachings that need to be clarified. And so there were certain things that either uh, they didn't quite have correct or that needed to be modified. But one thing that certainly was not changed and was not modified was everything to do with, with praise and worship and music. And so you have to be, be careful in, because what, what ends up happening is, you know, we, um, we don't, you know, the, the, basically, if I, if I could put it, the best way that I could put it, I guess. Hey, Milena from Florida, good to see you. Is that we understand that under the new covenant, you know, the cleansing rituals, the sacrifices, the outward purifications, the food requirements, th those are no longer in place for a believer because Christ came and fulfilled all those things. So now he stood in our place as the ultimate sacrifice. We no longer need to be making sacrifices. You know, what we put in is not what makes us unclean, but rather what's on the inside of us that makes us unclean. So there has to be a cleansing that takes place from sin, but it's not, it doesn't come in the form of like, you know, you have to go wash in this river or you have to wash a certain amount of times or, you know, you're unclean if you touch this or you touch that. That's not how it works because we're cleansed by the blood of Christ. It, it's like, a, um, you know, the, the, that old hymn that says, are you washed in the blood? Because we're now, we've been made clean through the sacrifice of Christ. So all of those things are no longer required for us to, 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 be, uh, um, to be made righteous because we've been made righteous through the sacrifice of Christ. But what often happens is we, we kind of lump everything into there. And there are certain um, traditions and teachings and ordinances, particularly regarding worship and regarding the gathering of the saints that we can take from the Old Testament that haven't been done away with. Praise and worship was not done away with. Paul understood the power of praise. He, he sang in prison and the chains fell off. He understands that there's an anointing that comes on praising the Lord, a strong anointing. You know, Jesus, you can read about Jesus and the disciples before they went to pray on the Mount of Olives, they sang hymns. You sing and then you pray. You think that that's just made up and I'm going to, I'm going to get into all that of the order and why we do, um, why we do things the way we do. So the sacrificial system and the ritual cleansings were fulfilled by Jesus. But now we're going to be talking about, um, 
praise and worship and how there was a particular order. And I want to continue in 1 Corinthians for now. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 14. And the title, at least in my Bible, above the scripture that I'm going to read says, Orderly Worship. There is an order to, to the, when the body of Christ comes to meet together, there is order. It's not a free-for-all. It's not whatever we feel like on that given day or, um, you know, we just want to like, you know, uh, um, you know, we don't, we don't have an agenda. We just throw, let's throw out the schedule. You know, listen, there are certainly times, there are often times, okay, when the spirit kind of like impresses upon the, the pastor or the preacher, whoever is there to maybe go into a different direction. I've been in services where, um, um, you know, there was such a strong worship. There's such a, song, a strong anointing on the worship that it just kind of kept going and people were just kind of praying and they came to the altar and it was a little bit different. Um, look at even last night, last night. You know, we did the, the, the praying and the laying on of hands before the word because uh, uh, Pastor, Pastor Oscar, it was impressed upon his spirit to do that. And so there are certainly times, but there, it was still, there was still an order there. It wasn't just like, you know, uh, uh, people could just do whatever they want and there's no, and that's what ends up happening a lot of times um, in the modern church. That it's like nobody wants to ever like have to uh, uh, submit to anything and no one ever wants to have to like, you know, do things a certain way. You know, we're just going to flow however it goes and they have no plan and they have no, th there's no order there. That's not, if, if that was the case, you, sh you need to throw out the book of first Corinthians and you need to find Paul when you get to heaven, if you get there and say, Hey Paul, I don't know what you were talking about when you talked about orderly worship because we just have to flow and we just have to do whatever we want. And that's an excuse for not submitting to the instruction of the word. Because yes, there are times when, when, when the spirit uh, uh, moves you to go in a bit of a different direction. It happens. It happens a lot. If you're open to the move of the spirit, you know that that could happen. But you come into it being prepared, knowing that, that there are certain uh, uh, things that you do and don't do. And that's why Paul was so um, strict about that. Look what it says in verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. So you notice how he says a hymn and then a word of instruction. And so again, he's, he's showing you there's a particular order that comes in. And look at verse 40. Look at verse 40. But everything, everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. It's not a free-for-all. If the spirit uh, impresses the pastor to go in a different direction, that's still or that's still orderly. That's still an orderly way because the spirit is, is, is having the pastor go in, in, in a particular direction, whatever, whatever, uh, if you know, cause sometimes, um, and I've been in services like that where, you know, the, remember, um, remember the ascend service, uh, uh, like, what was it? A couple months ago, I'd say where, where pastor Steve had his message planned, but the whole night ended up being testimonies. Remember that? And it was awesome. 
it was so great right but it wasn't out of order it's not like people um um just ran up and grabbed the mic out of his hand he said hey does anybody else have a testimony and people raised their hand they waited until they were called upon you understand what i'm saying right there, there's still an order even though the spirit flowed in a bit of a different direction because what the issue is is when people are like well you know let's change things up you know let's uh, uh and no 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 guide of the spirit it's just because it's rebelling against an order that has been put in place you know let, let's change it up today you know let's uh, uh let's do a slow song first you don't open with a slow song you open with praise i like that loretta when the holy spirit moves nothing is out of order absolutely because god the bible says is not a god of confusion there's no moment when there's going to be a confusion and and when you're in the meeting you won't feel like mm, something's wrong here no you won't feel that because you'll know that the spirit is moving there's no confusion there there's no uh, um like i i don't know i'm not sure about this you know it's just like there's a flow but you could tell the difference when when a minister comes in and they want to change things around for the sake of changing it listen i'm going to show you from scripture why that's not how it works right just because you feel like it just because you want to change things up and i would say you know particularly in the realm of music um because this is kind of i mean I'm, I'm kind of going a little bit broad in the in the introduction um but you know musicians by nature because you know I, I actually had um a couple of people approach me about you know different i would guess you would call them famous musicians or um well-known musicians who are doing like strange things and like they they you know they get caught drinking or they're they're strange posts that they do and it's like what happened and I, i'm gonna say this about musicians because we're gonna get into to the order of of you know why why we sing fast songs first and all that because it doesn't come from nowhere i'm gonna tell you that um musicians and i am a musician um, I, I was, you know, I'm, I'm a professional musician. It's been my life's work. And when you're a professional at something, when you do something at a high level and it is something that is like an art, I guess you can say, or, or like a, a gifting that you have, there is a measure of ego that comes in. And there is a measure of, um, if you're not careful, if you're not careful, there's pride that can move in. And the most difficult musicians to deal with are the ones that are not teachable and the ones that are, you know, that aren't about the team, that they're about them. They want to be seen and they want everybody to see their gift and how great they are. And, um, and look at, you know, I have such a strong gifting to sing, you know, like, you know, I should be the soloist, you know, I should, I should lead worship because I have such a strong gifting. <laughs> you know, I remember when I was in Bible school, the, the, um, the worship pastor at the, at the, at the church, very famous worship leader, extremely famous. Do you know how she got started? Um, I think I try Loretta. I, I try, I've been, I've been humbled a lot in my life. So it's hard to have an ego. Um, because you know, I, I, I every time I kind of get, you know, my head maybe gets a little bit big. It's like the Lord kind of puts me in my place. Cause that's not, you know, if you're open to the, the, the correction, 
correction and discipline of the Lord, you won't be able to have an ego. You won't. Um, and she, she's extremely talented, anointed singer, anointed worship leader, anointed songwriter. Do you know how she got started? She joined the choir. She joined the choir. She didn't come up to the, 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 the music pastor at the time and say, you know what? I feel that God wants me to be a worship leader. So, you know, I would like to be scheduled to lead worship. No, she joined the choir. She just signed up, uh, had her audition. She has a great voice. So she got in and she was noticed because she always was smiling. There was always like a, a, a joy. Um, well, Jill, I've had to learn that. I've had to learn, you know, no, it, it's, it's, um, anyways. I've had to learn, you know, you, like I said, you got to be open to correction. You have to be open to correction. Um, so, you know, and, and, and they noticed, they noticed that she was always smiling and they noticed that, that, that there was like, there was a joy about her and there was uh, every time she would sing and they're like, you know what? Uh, uh, we want you to sing backup. So they scheduled her to sing backup. And she started to sing backup, never uh, um, demanded anything, was very, you know, whatever they asked her to do, she would do, whatever part they wanted her to sing, uh, whether it was a part or not, she, she, she did what she, uh, what she was asked, um, always, always teachable. And then she eventually got promoted to, to, lead, to lead worship. And, and the rest is history. And she's still to this day, one of the most famous uh, worship leaders ever. And, you know, and, and I know for a fact, uh, that she never really liked the fame part of it. And she always tried to remove herself from the spotlight because she just, she didn't, she didn't ever want it to be about her, but there are a lot of musicians that, I mean, can I tell you something about musicians? When you play music at a very high level. And I'm not saying necessarily everybody, but probably like 99% of musicians have an inner dream to be a rock star. You want to be a rock star. You want to be on stage or people screaming your name and, and you're playing your instrument or you're singing. It's like, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it. But when you're serving the Lord, when you're doing what you do um, for the glory of God, you have to put that away because you're not, if you make a decision and say, I'm going to be a church musician, um, that's, that's a good point. My dad made success often does lead to entitlement. Um, and that, you know, you have to be, boy, you have to keep yourself in check. And that's why you have to be submitted to the spirit. Because if you're thinking about your own personal dream that I want to be, you know, I, I'm going to be a famous musician and everyone's going to want my autograph after, forget it, forget it. It's not going to work. And so a lot of, of Christian musicians, unfortunately, whether they will admit it or not, get caught up in fame and got caught up in, um, you know, there, there is, um, there is a scripture in the book of Ezekiel that describes uh, Lucifer, which is, which is Satan and all the things that were under his watch. And, and some of the things mentioned was musical instruments. And so you can make a strong case though. It doesn't outright say that, but you can make a very strong case that Lucifer was a musician, possibly even a worship leader. 
and and pride was his downfall and you know what's interesting um it, it's almost it, it's almost like quite a good lesson to learn um when you read that in, in in the book of ezekiel and about how you know he had instruments that were under his care uh which means it had to do with music and so there you go that's quite the lesson that look at what happened to him that he that he was he was a uh, beautiful he was talented all these kind of things wanted to exalt himself above God and he was cast down out of heaven like lightning and well the rest is history and so you can see why there's just something about musicians and so if you're a person who, who tends to look at or follow um, famous musicians and you feel that you're disappointed by them and you don't understand well I guess I hope I explained it well enough it's, it, that that they're just there's a sense of of you know there's a sense of yeah look at me I'm I'm awesome <laughs> you know um, so so look don't I'm gonna say this I'm gonna give you this advice I don't follow any famous musician uh, church musicians Christian musicians I don't follow any of them um, because. You know, there's, they, there's a lot of them that are very anointed. They're very anointed songwriters. And I don't want my, my perception of them clouded by the crazy stuff they post on social media. Um, there's something about an anointing. Samson was extremely anointed. He probably did everything he could to get rid of that anointing. But yet his final act was, was bigger than anything he did uh, in his life. And what he was able to take down because the anointing was so strong. And, uh, but it's not something you take for granted. And there's a lot of musicians out there, if you're listening, which you're probably not. But if you are, don't take that anointing for granted. You know, don't, don't take the anointing for granted. Don't take the position that you've been given in the body of Christ as a worship leader, as a singer, as a musician. Because as we're going to find out today, they're very important. And there's something that's ordained by God for a particular role. And so you have to be extremely careful what you do with that anointing. So let's go to the book of First Chronicles. Chapter, uh, sorry, uh, First Chronicles chapter 15. Because I want to show you. Um, actually, wait, we're not going to do that first we're gonna do first chronicles 16 no we're gonna do first chronicles 15 verse 27 now david was clothed in a robe of fine linen as were all the levites who were carrying the ark and as were the singers and kenaniah who was in charge of the singing of the choirs david also wore a linen ephod so all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouts, with the sounding of ram's horns and trumpets and of cymbals and the playing of lyres and harps. As the ark of the covenant of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David dancing and celebrating, she despised him in her heart. So here's one thing important to understand. Um, here's the first thing I'm going to point out. Well, yeah, this is going to be a long, this is going to be long. <laughs> Might be three parts at this rate, but it's okay. All right. I hope you're enjoying this. This I feel was, was something important 
um, to study. And so uh, I, I hope you're enjoying it. Um, I am enjoying teaching it. So first things first, David was clothed in a robe of fine linen, as were all the Levites who were carrying the ark, and as were the singers. <laughs> hey, Jew. As were the singers. Now, here, here, let me tell you something. And I went through a phase where I was like, you know, I, we don't need to dress up in church and, uh, you know, we should be casual, you know, because, you know, the people that come in church, you know, they're going to have a hard time relating to us if we're all dressed up. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm explain something to you. I watch a lot of sports, as you know. And um, I'm going to talk about basketball. I'm not a huge basketball fan, but basketball, I would say, is probably a sport that would be enjoyed by people of all backgrounds. Because basketball, you know, you you all you know, you pick up a ball and and, and you shoot in a, in a hoop, and, and and there's not much there's not much else that you need, and so it's very it's a very popular sport. The coaches, the coaches all wear suits and ties and the people announcing calling the game suits and ties the people in the studio on tv commentating about it suits and ties if they're women they either have dresses or they have on a nice blazer uh, pants suit how many people do you suppose turns on the basketball game and says i really wanted to watch this but, you know, the coaches is wearing a suit. I don't have a suit. You know, I feel a little bit intimidated. Um, you know, so I, I'm actually not going to watch the basketball game because, you know, I feel like I'm not good enough because I don't have a suit. No one in the, no one in the history of the world has ever said that. But when it comes to church, all of a sudden, well, you know, you know, we want to make sure that people feel comfortable. Do you know how you make the people feel comfortable? You welcome them. You make them feel loved. You, 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 you have them come and sit next to you and say, I'm glad you're here. And, and by the way, people, people by nature, there's this, this thing ingrained. You never heard of the, the word Sunday best? You know what that, you know where that comes from? Because on Sundays, you put your best clothes on and you went to church. And it doesn't take, it doesn't, you don't have to be rich to look nice. Comb your hair, take a shower preferably, put on some deodorant, brush your teeth, and come into the house of the Lord. You're not going to be rejected if you're not dressed nice. If you come in off the street, we're not going to be like, oh, this person. Who, what are they doing here? They're not dressed very nice. No, no. I, I like that D. You're right. They should feel inspired. To be like, hey, I, 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 there's a, I feel a spirit of excellence in this place. I feel a spirit of, wow, they, they're putting effort in. You know. Let me ask you this. If you showed up at the Queen's funeral last week wearing ripped jeans and a backwards baseball cap, you would have been thrown out on the street. But it's okay to come into church looking like you haven't showered in a week, looking like you, you, like all of your clothes must be in the laundry. I'm sorry, but biblically speaking, it's a disgrace to come into the house of the Lord and act like it doesn't matter how you look. Wear whatever you want, 
Don't bother. Don't make an effort. God looks at the, the heart, you know. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting? That verse was about, who is it about? David. That verse was written for David. And who's the one who came in with his robed fine linen? Same guy. Because you have to understand something. I, I know that not everybody, you know, and just because you're wearing a suit, it doesn't mean you're a good person. Let me, I, again, I, I want to make sure that's very clear. But it's an attitude. It's an attitude. It's reverence for the Lord. It's saying, I am in the house of the Lord. I am entering in to the presence of the Lord. You might not have a lot of money. Um, yeah, obviously, John, of course. Because there, there are going to be people that don't know. We had a guy, I think he, he didn't even have a home. He literally came in off the street. Every time I see him, he always dresses, he always dresses the best that he could. And I, you know, because he understands. He didn't get turned off. He's there every week, every service. Wearing the best that he has. Because he gets it. If you've been coming to church for 30 years and you're on the worship team and you show up looking like you're about to, that you're just stopping off at church before you go to the gym, it's a disgrace. It's a disgrace to the presence of God. How dare we take lightly the presence of God? God, listen, of course God doesn't care about clothes. And, you know, it's like, oh, you know, uh, I can't be saved unless I'm wearing a suit. No, no. It's the attitude. You wear your finest clothes to go to a wedding. You get invited to a wedding. You, you, you buy a new suit. You know, you get your, you spend a hundred bucks to get your hair done. You know. And obviously, yes, as Rick pointed out, some churches... And listen, and this is the, this is where the, this is where the problem comes in because you will have some people who make it a fashion show and it's like look at my expensive shoes and look at my expensive purse. But again, it's the attitude. Like like when when I was discussing modesty a couple of weeks ago, it's the attitude. It comes right out. It, whatever's inside always ends up coming out. You know. So obviously we have to be, you be, you have to be gracious to people. There are people who, who, you know, like, like I said, they don't know any better. They don't understand. And again, if you, if there's a congregation member, Mary Ellen, you're doing great. You're doing great. If there's a congregation member who, who has on sweatpants, you know, whatever. I, I don't know their story. Um, I don't know where they come from. I'm not, I don't judge them. But if you are on stage, you better pay close attention to how you look. Because, you know, there's no dress code for the congregation. It's, well, preferably wear clothes. Um, and hopefully that are clean. That would be nice. But, you know, um, people, people dress all different, you know. But again, it's also, you could tell. I know that there, I know someone... You know, he doesn't wear a suit or anything like that. But, you know, you could tell he, 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 his shoes are clean. 
you know, he's got, I could tell they're probably his nicest jeans, you know, got a nice jacket on, you know, try effort, effort. We, we have a lax attitude towards the house of God. And again, I just want to make it clear. I'm not saying that there's some kind of dress code for you to walk into church. That's not what I'm saying. This is about, um, the musicians and the singers. Okay. I want to make that very clear, but the point I'm trying to make is, you know, there's no reverence anymore for the house of God because there are two kinds of people. Listen very carefully to me because everyone always says what I didn't say, or that you put words in my mouth. Listen very, very carefully to me. There are two kinds of people. There are the one person that, you know, they, they might not have necessarily nice clothes or, you know, they just, they, they just kind of, they dress down. They're not, you know, they're not doing it uh, because they're disrespectful. It's just, either, like I said, either they don't know or they don't have anything else. And, and you know, we, we love them. Um, we welcome everybody. You know, no one's going to be turned away because they don't have the right shirt on. Just want to make that very clear. But then you have a second group of people who purposely, purposely dress uh, 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 like garbage to come into the house of the Lord. Ripped jeans, and not the, the cool ripped jeans, like just, you know, ugly ripped jeans. You know, sw a sweatshirt, a cap, you know, completely disinterested. Um, Patrick, you make a great point completely disinterested and that you know what Patrick Patrick pointed out exactly where what it is you know you 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 follow <laughs> you follow certain people and you start to do what they do as musicians we have a responsibility I agreed you you know people dress up for other things for other events you you really think it <laughs> if you were like um um you know invited to the, the, the Oscars or something, right? What do you think you would wear? You want to know why? Because there's respect. If you're invited to meet the president of the United States, what do you think you would show up in? Because there's respect, but the house of God has become a free for all and a generation of casual Christians have, has led to a, a casual world in which there's no regard for God. There's no repentance for sin. And then we wonder why we're in the situation we're in. It is no mystery. Uh, Mary Ellen. I agree, Auntie Julia. It's not about how expensive your clothes are. You don't have to wear a tie if you don't want to wear a tie. That's not what it's about. Your attitude towards it. Because I, it's, it's all I hear. You know, people look at the outside, but God looks at the heart. You know what your heart says? Your heart says that you, you don't care about anything. You got to look cool, apparently. I don't know what cool is. I don't think I'm very cool, obviously. Because I'm not sure what it is. Why are we taking our cues from what the world says? Anyways, who cares what the world says is cool? David walked in with the presence of the Lord and the Ark of the Covenant in a fine robe of fine linen, as were all of the singers and all of the musicians. Yeah, I wear comfortable shoes. I play the drums. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to play in high heels? I'd love for you to try. Do you want me to play in a dress? I used to try that. Didn't work out very well. 
but I pay very close attention to, to, to how I look. <laughs> That's right, Sheba. What are you saving your, your good clothes for? What is it? What's going to be good enough for you to make an effort? It's, it's a casual, lax attitude. Casual towards the house of the Lord. Casual towards respect. No respect for ministers. Oh, you don't have to call me pastor. You could call me by my first name. No, you can't. Mary Ellen, I'm telling you. You're right. People, people look at the outside, but God looks at the heart. Who are you standing in front of in the congregation? The people are looking at you. They're watching you. <laughs> this is more going to be like a 10 part series at this rate. Because I literally read like one paragraph of very many pages of notes. <laughs> um, but that's okay. Because I, I didn't want to rush this. Um, <laughs> I'm glad, Rick. Because, you know, everybody always takes it to the wrong extreme. Well, you know, not everybody has nice clothes. But like my aunt said, everybody, well, maybe not even everyone has a shower. But it's like, okay, you need some help, we'll help you. There are showers in the church. We have tons of clothes. Um... Fridays aren't really casual for me, Sheba. I, I, I even, you know, I, I like to dress nice on Fridays too. It, look. Um, it's, it's an interesting point that you bring up. I, because well, it, get, it gets, again, you get into like, it's maybe not necessarily that casual, I think, I think again, it's, it's to do with your attitude. You could have like a, a, a nice shirt and nice pants that maybe aren't necessarily a suit and tie, but it's, it's reverence. You know, you know, our buddy, a Cedric at church. I love Cedric. I'm not sure if he's watching. Sometimes he does. I don't know if he's on tonight, but he always dresses nice Friday and Sunday. He always dresses nice always. And when you ask him why he says, well, I'm in the house of the Lord. I love it. I love it. You know, that's a good point, Mary Ellen. So you guys get it, obviously. You very much understand. Um, hang on, let me, I missed some comments. Yeah, that's true, Loretta. Um, <laughs> exactly, Auntie Joe. Guy. <laughs> um, Okay, the, Pastor Jess made a good point about Friday nights. Um, it's true. I think, because Friday nights, look, I, I don't, I don't like the word casual necessarily. I feel like it's more like, you know, um, more, I hate the word casual. I don't know, is there another word for casual that's not casual? Um, less fancy? Could we go with that? Could we go with less fancy? Um, I guess, yeah, because, and, 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 you know, pastor just made a good point. You know, we're not, this isn't like, you know, I don't want you to feel that like, oh, um, I don't have the right clothes. So I'm like, there's, I'm doing something wrong. It's about the heart. It's about your heart. 
Leisure. Okay. That's, that's an interesting word. Um, dress down, plain dresser. Okay. Because I just, the word casual to me, I don't like it. Because it brings across, there's like, once you start with clothes, there's a, a, a trickle down effect. You know. I saw, I, I heard a, a friend of mine went to visit another church a Sunday morning. And the, she said the pastor was wearing shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops. Listen, I don't want to see your toes, especially like men. Because like usually men, women, women usually um, like make their toes look nice. Men, on the other hand, maybe not so much. If you're a man that gets a, a, a pedicure, no nail polish. <laughs> oh man, this is... Um, no nail polish. Yeah, just that's right, Rich. Just wear something. <laughs> um, yeah, anyways. And, and you know, it was Sunday morning he's preaching. I'm like, bro, are you part of the Beach Boys? Or are you a minister of the gospel? I don't understand. I don't understand. Who? Okay. Where in scripture do you see an instance where where you know you're approaching the presence of god in any kind of uh, of less than reverent manner and then you can say um well you know but the world says that suits are nice you know that's just like a worldly thing look again people are the ones that you're ministering to okay and there is a a um a natural respect that comes about, you know, when, when you're dressed a certain way. Um, and if it was good enough for David and, and, and carrying the Ark of the Covenant, then it's good enough for me. Then I'm going to listen to what the word says. I don't know about you. Yeah, that's a good point, Sheba. Take off your shoes where you're standing is holy ground. There's a holy fear of the Lord, a, a holy reverence of the Lord. And we treat it like it's nothing. We treat it the same way that we go to, 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 to hang out at our friend's house. No respect, no reverence. You know. Shouldn't you want to give your best to God? Shouldn't you want to reserve your best for the Lord? I don't know. Is it just me? God doesn't care what you wear. But he cares about what's in your heart. And if you carry the attitude of, well, I can dress however I want, I don't care. It's, it's just, it's a rebellious attitude. That, I'm telling you, that's what it is. Oh, we don't need to do that. That doesn't matter. You know, that stuff doesn't matter. You know, give, you know, Cain's offering was rejected because he didn't give off his best to the Lord. Shouldn't that be a, a reminder to us? Yeah, I agree, Mary Ellen. It was different. A lot has changed. Not everything, though. I just saw a video last night from a church. I'm not sure where it was. Um, and, like, everybody was dressed up. Like, I mean, really dressed up. All the men had suits and ties. The women all had dresses. The choir had these awesome choir robes, which I really think that we should implement. <laughs> like we used to have. First Chronicles 16, verse 1. 
just let, let me finish off with this because I, I, I really did not get to anything uh, in my notes. They brought the Ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it, and they presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before God. After God had finished, after David had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each Israelite man and woman. He appointed some of the Levites to minister before the Ark, the ark of the Lord, to make petition, to give thanks, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Then he names a bunch of names. Um, they were to play the lyres and harps. Asaph was to sound the cymbals and Benaiah and Jehaziel, the priest were to blow the trumpets regularly before the Ark of the covenant of God. We don't need instruments. You really, why do we have instruments? Really? I don't know. Again, this is, this is an example. And, and this whole thing, people they don't even read the word, I'm pretty sure. They just always have to buck against what they're afraid of tradition because they're always afraid that there's tradition that has creeped into the church and we're not doing things the way that we're supposed to be doing. You know, we're nothing like the, the book of Acts, you know? We're nothing like the early church in the book of Acts. Of course you're not because you haven't seen a person get saved since 1983. So no, you're nothing like the book of Acts because in the book of Acts, it says that daily that God was adding to them the number of people who are being saved. They met all together in one place. And then you have people that say, oh, you know, you don't, you don't need a big church, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, <laughs> you think... <laughs> You think that God looks at a church of thousands of people lifting their hands, singing praises to him, seeing people get saved, uh, seeing people get healed, and he would prefer that you're five people sitting in somebody's living room, sipping coffee, debating over whether or not the, 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 the cloth was folded in Jesus' tomb. Yeah, you're, you're out of your mind. You have no idea about anything. You just talk. Because nobody wants to submit to anybody. They don't want to submit to a leader. They don't like submitting. You know, they undermine the pastor. Let me tell you something. The pastor's in charge. Either you submit to him or you leave. You <laughs> Good point, Sheba. You know, I don't know where people get this stuff. Do you know that Paul put Timothy in charge of the church of Ephesus, one of the largest and most influential churches in history. Oh, I know, Alicia, you're right. Oh, but you know, God wants us to meet in the home churches. It's because the, 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 the believers were persecuted and scattered. They had no choice. How about you thank God for the freedom to meet and do what the Bible tells you to do instead of making stuff up. Your church hasn't grown in 30 years. Oh, we have to be more like the book of Acts. You're nothing like them. You know, there's no reverence for, for anything. You know, people, and I get it. You know, people, people don't want to be, people are told what to do in all their life. Their boss tells them what to do. You know, their, uh, uh, the government tells them what to do. 
you know, their wife tells them what to do. <laughs> um, you know, so they come into church and they're like, just because they tithe, that they could, you know, they can make the decisions. Well, you know, um, it's, it should be a group decision. No, it shouldn't. You know, well, church is a, you know, the presence of God is not made in temples built by human hands. Yes, it, he lives on the inside of you and me. The spirit of God is on the inside. But in the book of Acts, they all came together and they met in one place. Read the book of Acts. Everybody thinks they know what the book of Acts says. Everybody thinks they know. You know, we should look at church differently now. Why? Because you don't like something your pastor did? How about you study the scriptures? I, I mean, first of all, first of all, David was clothed in, in fine linen. And then what happened? They brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord with shouts, with sounding of ram, ram's horns and trumpets and of cymbals and playing of lyres and harps. You usher in the presence of the Lord with singing, with song, with praise. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. You know, we should start with a slow song. No, we shouldn't. David was dancing and celebrating. You know, let's, let's change it up. You know, let's, uh, you know, let, let's have, uh, uh, let's have the offering first and then we'll, we'll pray. I don't even know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't know. <laughs> you know, we don't, we don't, let, let, can I read one more thing? Turn to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 4. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Oh, why doesn't, you know, the pastor, he can just sit on a stool. You know, he should just sit in front of the people. You know, why does he have to be above the people? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because the Bible says that. Well, Patrick, maybe we'll, we'll keep the clothes on for the dancing, but you know, dancing is cool. We could, we could have, have fun. <laughs> Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Listen to this. Beside him on his right stood a bunch of guys with names that are very hard to pronounce. And on his left were another bunch of guys with names that are very hard to pronounce. So if you ever wondered back in the day why the pastors would stay up on the platform, that's why. I don't know why we, 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 I mean, the stage is a little bit different now, but if you ever see pastors up on stage, that's why they're there. Why do the pastors have to be up there? Why do they act like they're better than the people? They're not acting like they're better than the people. They've been appointed by God for a specific task. You, most people could not handle one, one inch of what the pastor has to carry on his shoulders. So you better believe it. He's going to sit up where he wants to sit. Verse five, Ezra opened the book. Uh, listen, all the people could see him because he was standing above them. Why does a pastor have to look down on us? Why does he have to, why does he have to stand up there? Oh, I don't know because the Bible says so. 
Remember what I read at the beginning. What did Paul say? That you kept the traditions that have been passed on to you. <laughs> oh, Jew, you're not wrong. That's why it was so, my heart was so warmed and touched on Saturday when I saw everybody helping out and pitching in. Man, if that's not what it's all about, I don't know what it is. Body of Christ coming together, everybody having their part to play, and every part is important. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Why do we have to stand? Because the Bible says so. I'm just going to sit. I don't need to, you know, I don't need to stand when the pastor tells me to stand. Yeah, good point, Sheba. Everything. Nobody questions anything except church. Oh, you know. We don't need to do it that way. You know, that's uh, old school. Well, I think old school is a, a, a um, another word for what the Bible says, you know. And I'm going to next, I'm going to have to get to it next week because I'm out of time. But talking about why the musicians, uh, um, you know, the singers stand in the front and the musicians stand behind them. That's biblical. But what is it now? Everybody's standing around a piano uh, uh, um, singing to each other like you're Lionel Richie singing endless love to, to whoever he sings it with. Is it Dion Warwick? Whatever. That, you know, that's what it is. Who are you singing to? Why are you looking in each other's eyes like you're, like you're singing a love ballad? Jeez. Sitting around uh, with your legs crossed on, on the floor with your shoes off. Oh, I'm just soaking in the presence of God. Oh, Diana Ross, thank you. You know, if you want to do that on a, on a Tuesday night in your living room, go for it. Do whatever you want. But on Sunday morning, when we're in the house of God, there is a way to do it. Orderly worship. I can't, I can't stand it. Yes, right. Church is not a country club. God is ahead of the church and the pastor, uh, um, the pastor makes the decisions. If you don't like it, you could find many um, home churches where you can sit with your cup of coffee with the same six people that never grows, that never sees anybody get saved for the rest of your life if that's what you want to do. Verse 6. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Why do I have to raise my hands? Because the Bible told you to. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. First you praise, then you worship. Why do we do the fast songs first? You know, that's a man-made construct. All right. If you say so. The Levites, 
with a bunch of names that I'm not going to pronounce, instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. First you praise, then you worship, then you instruct from the word. Look at verse 12. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. You come, you praise, you worship, you get the word, you pray, you go home and eat lunch. That's the way it goes. <laughs> Literally. In verse 9, this day is sacred to the Lord your God. There is a sacred moment of what Sunday morning is when we come, we come to the house of God. You know, I guess maybe that's another reason. Like Friday night, Friday night is, is, is no lesser service. Just let me make that clear. But I think it's, it's a bit of a different, um, uh, I guess, uh, atmosphere, I suppose. Maybe like a, but, but it's no lesser service. It's just as, you know, and I think I said this a couple of weeks ago on a Friday night, you know. Uh, um, Friday's no throwaway service. People can come on a Friday and expect to get healing the same way that they would on a Sunday morning. But obviously, there is something about about the Sunday that it's 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 a day set apart for the Lord. You're setting apart that day specifically. Anyways, I, I'm sure that people are going to hear what I said and say like Marcy said that. You know, I, I can't wear what I want. I never said that. If you still don't understand after an hour and five minutes, then you probably never will. Um, but I'm going to stop there for tonight and we're going to go to part two next week because I, I, I have a ton more stuff. Um, Friday night, it, it's become more of a, of a full service. But it, but it could, you know, it, it depends really what, whatever the vision of the church is. So, so that, that's part of it too. Yeah, Friday nights are great. Um, so let's pray. You know, I, whenever we come to open the word of God, it's important to realize, you know, I don't know who's listening or who's watching. And it's the same thing on Sundays. And that's why, you know, we don't, we don't, if someone walks in the door, you know, we don't dismiss them based on what they're wearing. You know, that's, that's not what it's about at all. And I hope that you understand that. Um, I hope that you understand that. But, you know, we, out of a love for the Lord, we should be saying, man, I, I, I want to give of my best. You know, I want to give uh, um, from a sincere heart. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to rebel against the pastor or rebel against, you know, how I, my Sunday school teacher when I was five years old and I don't like something they said and they told me I have to dress up and I don't want to. And, you know, it, it, it's really an attitude of the heart and it comes out in how you present yourself, right? I, I truly believe that it comes up in, in how you present yourself, you know, if you're wearing, and again, I, I, I know a lot of people who wear sweatpants to church. Do you not own a pair of jeans or something? Like, is, I could buy you one. I could buy you one. Because you're, you're, <laughs> anyways.
you know. But like, 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 like we all we all talked about it. We all talked about it. You know, you show, uh, you you include people by welcoming them, by showing them the love of the Lord, by telling them they're loved, by saying, "Hey, we're so glad you're here. Welcome." And they're not going to be intimidated. Trust me. If you if you have. <laughs> They might be from Giant Tiger. I cannot confirm or deny. Um, but you know, but, but honestly, like those clothes aren't very good quality. So I, I don't wear, I wear good, I wear like my best clothes to church. Um, except for the white shoes, but they look nice. They could easily, they could easily be shoes that cost $50. You'd never know. Um, you know, and, and, and so people aren't, trust me, if you come across with the right heart, with the heart of love, people are not going to be intimidated. People are not going to come in and say, I'm not good enough. We, you, you have to understand that in the body of Christ, you know, we're, we're all, we're, we're all welcome to, to be there in church. That's what church is for. It's for everybody. We don't reject people based on what they're wearing, but you'll find that the more that they start coming, they're like, man, I, I need to step it up. I, I want to look better. I, I want to, to, to present my best to the Lord. They do it without you even having to say anything. It's a transformation of the heart. And that's what it's all about. And if you're watching today, you know, you're like, man, I, I'm not really sure. I, I don't even know if I'm saved. I don't even know if, I, if I've ever uh, made a decision for Christ. Well, today is your day. You, you could pray this prayer that I'm going to pray repeat it after me. And you can know that you're saved. You know, we're, we're, we're in the last days. We're in the final moments of the last days. And you have to know that there is a heaven and there is a hell. You know, we talked about, about Lucifer before, about Satan. Hell was created for him and for his demons. It wasn't created for people. God doesn't send anybody to hell. They choose to go there. You know, God doesn't... Uh, say, well, you're, I'll pick you for heaven. I'll pick you for hell. Oh, you know, that person was a good person. You know, I, uh, I think I'll, I think I'll keep them. No, you choose. God gives you a choice. You either choose him or you don't. And I encourage you today, make that choice to choose God, make that choice to, to, to accept Christ as your Lord and savior. So pray this prayer, repeat it after me. Say, father, I thank you that you sent Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I believe in my heart that you raised Christ from the dead. I confess of all of my sin and wrongdoing and I ask for your forgiveness. And I believe in my heart that Christ is my Lord and I accept him as my savior. Thank you, Father, that I am now saved in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, message this account, message me. Um, we want to hear from you because you know, everything, everything that I, that I teach about you, you'll get a much better understanding of it when you're in the family of God and you'll realize, think the spirit you when you live a life submitted to the spirit, you understand things that you didn't understand before.